Do you know the feeling when someone is so passionate about a topic that it transfers to you? That's what I felt during the interview with Britta. Britta is the co-founder and chief scientific officer at Legendary Foods. They create sustainable, healthy dairy without animals. This is better for the planet, but also better for you. Their cheese can offer healthier fats and is GMO and antibiotic-free. Stick around if you would like to find out how this magic is possible and when you get to eat it. During the time of the recording, Britta's team was about to try for the very first time their mozzarella. You will find out how it tasted. Britta studied biology and did her PhD at the Max Planck Institute and a postdoc at the Australian National University. She started working on Legendary at a university lab in early 2019 and is currently establishing Legendary's microbiology and fermentation lab. This interview was lots of fun and super interesting, so I hope you'll like it too. Let's jump right into it. Welcome to the Red to Green podcast, where the future of food meets sustainability. And I'm your host, Marina Schmidt. Tell us a fun fact about you. Um, I think I'm a nerd through and through. Um, so yeah, I st decided to be a biologist when I was just nine years old. Um, I still remember the day. So in primary school, we were learning about how the heart works. Uh, and our teacher explained how it pumps the, the blood into the lung and into the rest of the body. Uh, and that's when I decided, this is so amazing. I want to learn more. I want to be a biologist. And what I find funny is that even at that age, I decided I want to learn how things work rather than to learn how to fix them if they don't work. So that's why I went into biology rather than medicine. So, yeah, um, for example, right now, we recently moved back from overseas and I have half a lab in my basement because <laughs> we moved all of my lab equipment together with mm -hmm. um, our personal belongings. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about having all this lab stuff in my basement. I could probably do some experiments there. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and nerd through and through. Luckily, my husband is as well. He's a scientist as well, so he can totally understand what's happening. <laughs> Do you have a, a geeky interest? Did you have a vision of having your own lab early on as a kid? Well, I, I always thought it would be amazing. Um, like I, I saw myself at some point in a white lab coat walking through a Max Planck Institute. So that was more like in my teenage years. Mm. I ended up at such an institute, mm. but we didn't wear lab coats. So that was a big disappointment, actually. <laughs> so, but, <yeah. laughs> so I think, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it was always my dream. Um, I remember as a 12-year-old, I had a little ivy plant as a plant in my room. And every day I measured the length of the new leaf and jotted it down and had a like a sheet that was long before Excel because I'm actually that old but <laughs> so like I had a little graph mm -hmm. so that was probably as a 10 year old so yeah I don't know it didn't stand a chance I had to go down this path of science yeah wonderful did you ever imagine you would be working for such a young startup or actually founding one actually yeah. right? <laughs> yes no <laughs> absolutely not but uh, I love it I mean I learned so much coming from an academic field um, I always worked on basic research so there the biggest challenge is always to acquire funding so that you can actually do your experiments and then you do amazing experiments and they end up in a publication 
Uh, and if you're mm. lucky, about 20 people in the world will read them. So the impact is, well, not so amazing. <laughs> Let's put it that way. At least for the research that I was doing, not like for scientists in general, but with the plant pathogen interactions. I mean, let's face it, it's not the most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> or like the, the research I was doing is probably not the biggest impact ever yeah so like now being able to actually do something that is so applied that we can see like in a few years time there's actually a product coming from it and also along the way learning so much about business development about um, yeah, funding and investments and yeah no it's been an amazing journey so I never thought I would go down this path um, but it's been amazing What is Legendary all about then? We are producing um, vegan dairy products by expressing the milk proteins, cow's milk proteins in different microorganisms. So in yeast or also bacteria, other fungi, for example. Um, and then we can isolate those proteins. And you can imagine it's very similar to beer brewing. So in a beer brewery, you have this big steel tank and your, your yeast is growing in there and kind of like a growth medium. And then you can extract the beer from it and they produce alcohol uh, while the organisms grow. Uh, in our case, the steel tank will look reasonably similar, um, but we don't get yeah. alcohol, we get our proteins. Uh, and then we can isolate them and then we can use the same techniques that have always been used to produce cheese. Um, and we can make different cheeses, different dairy products, yogurt, ice cream, you name it, any kind of like dairy product that we all love. And yeah, as a vegan, for example, really miss out on enjoying. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally, totally feel that. Yeah, like <laughs> and, when, when you talk to vegans, I was like, oh, I miss cheese so much. So <laughs> cheese is just yeah. too yummy to miss out on. So yes, we need better alternative to the vegan cheese that's available right now. And we want mm. to, to close this gap with our products. So because our cheese will be just as stretchy as a normal mozzarella, like a cow's milk mozzarella. It will melt beautifully. Uh, and we can do anything like Gruyere or, I don't know, the smelliest cheese you can imagine we will hopefully be able to <laughs> produce at some point. You're using yeast to create it? At this point, yes, we use yeast um, and we give it all the genetic information that it would need to produce the milk proteins. Mm -hmm. But we can use all kinds of different organisms. There are different fungi that are already used to produce enzymes, uh, medication, antibodies. Mm -hmm. um, so in the pharma industry, um, those kind of organisms are used. And we all have probably been exposed to products produced by them. Even if you think about uh, rennet that is added to cheese, 90% mm -hmm. of the rennet that is used worldwide is produced in microorganisms. So it's not isolated from a cow's stomach anymore. So uh, And we can use those organisms. So starting with yeast, but uh, along the way, in the next couple of months, we will figure out whether there's an organism that can make those proteins easier, like can handle them better, for example. They're tricky proteins. So mm. uh, we need to find a really good production host um, that can easily produce our proteins. Yeah, and rennet used to be made from animals. No, rennet is produced in a cow's stomach. So when the calf drinks its mother's milk, it needs to curdle in order to be digestible. Uh, mm. And I think like a long time ago, it was all isolated from, from like the stomach of, of cows. Uh, and this is just, yeah, I don't know, obviously not <laughs> the most sustainable way of, of uh, producing cheese or using it as an ingredient for cheese production. So it's usually um, produced uh, in microorganisms as well. How far are you at the moment with producing the milk? 
Um, so first, well, we are never going to produce a real milk because milk is a very complex um, well, drink or fluid, liquid, however you want mm. to call it, So, which has so many different components. And also a consumer has a very specific idea how milk should taste. So we are only producing individual milk proteins that are needed for the functionality of dairy products. So to make a nice cheese, for example, there's only a group of like major group of four proteins that are used for those called the caseins. And so how far along are we? So we only co uh, like founded our company a bit more than a year ago. Uh, and obviously starting a biotech company does require uh, establishing a lab. So we are in the lucky position that we're not only having one lab, but actually two. So I'm currently building up a molecular biology lab near Bonn uh, in the west of Germany. And then we have a food design lab in Berlin because we have so many different fields in our company. So we have the molecular biology, like producing yeast strains, for example. Then we have fermentation where we test on small scale how can we grow our yeast strains to produce the proteins? How can we isolate those proteins? Uh, and then we need to use those proteins in prototype development. So we have these three different departments. And so you can imagine this is nothing that happens overnight. So we've already, we are already working together with several collaboration partners that um, help us to create our production strains. And as soon as our lab is up and running in a couple of weeks in uh, Rheinbach near Bonn, then we will also do molecular biology in our own lab. So, yeah, it will be, it will take us a few more months um, until we have uh, production strains. Um, but then the great thing is, once we have a strain that produces our milk proteins, we can produce any kind of dairy from it. We are not set on just mm -hmm. mozzarella, for example. We can Because it's always the same ingredient in, in traditional cheese making as well. You always have milk. So we can always have our mm -hmm. um, milk proteins and produce any kind of product from it. So um, that's also why our food designers are already working in the lab in Berlin to produce prototypes. Uh, right now, just like mastering the technique to make, for example, mozzarella. Um, and also how to use uh, milk um, ingredients, how to mix them, how to make kind of like a mixed vegan, non-vegan product from it and things like that. So you were saying that for your process to create the cheese, you only need the proteins from the milk. How does that compare to the conventional process where cheese is made, um, where as far as I know, the starting point is milk? Yes, that, that's correct. So usually in a traditional cheese making process, you use milk, but then you add the rennet to it or in some cheeses also uh, you add um, acid to it, let's say um, lemon juice, for example. And what happens is that the proteins, the caseins precipitate in the milk. So you have like the curd, which was then used to produce cheese. And on top you have the what's called the whey. So all the other soluble proteins will go into the whey. And so we kind of um, circumvent this step. We directly have the curd. We directly have the proteins, the caseins, in kind of like precipitated form. So we don't need to first make milk and then precipitate the protein. We can directly start um, the cheese making with the curds. Can you already estimate uh, what the price could be? Uh, do you think there's the potential to make this sort of cheese cheaper than conventional cheese? Initially, our product will be ridiculously expensive. I must admit that um, because the technology that we use is still um, quite new. So 
um, we have experience from like the, this kind of te technology using yeast strains, for example, to produce proteins is used in the pharma industry. But obviously, they have very different price margins than in the production of food. Um, mm. But we do hope that over time, um, the, because the interest in those in, uh, products will increase um, and we will be able to reduce the price over time. Technology will mature over the next couple of years. Um, our production strains will be getting better and better so we can produce the proteins in higher yields. Uh, and we think that in a couple of years, we will be able to uh, compete with the price. Also, what we should not forget is that milk is actually EU uh, subsidized. So if, if mm -hmm. we would pay a fair price for a liter of milk, it would be much more expensive than what we actually pay in the supermarket. Diving into like from there into a different um, aspect of uh, of our venture, like we are sometimes asked, like, so are you trying to compete with farmers? Are you trying to to replace them? And I always answer like, no, we don't. We want to work together with farmers. We don't want to work against them um, because we feel mm. that milk should be a premium product. It should be something that you like occasionally consume um, and then you are willing mm. to pay a price for it and then a farmer can actually live uh, and sustain his business with just let's say 50 cows rather than being forced to have 2,000 cows just to make ends meet um, so no we are not working against farmers we want to work together with them so that they can produce this premium product a milk or a handcrafted cheese while we with a biotechnology background can cover the mass consumption so that's our dream in a couple of years and how many people have tasted um, your protein so far well unfortunately none of us has ever been able to to taste those products i'm actually waiting for my colleague to come back to me today because yesterday in the lab they produced a beautiful mozzarella it was stretching for meters and mm. meters and i don't like, how does it taste and she's like I don't know, it needs to cool down overnight. <laughs> so, um, oh. so I don't know, because so far, because we work in a lab setting and obviously there are safety regulations. If you work with chemicals mm. uh, and you produce food in a lab, there were also chemicals are handled, you would never, ever taste your product. So, so far, the prototypes that we have been producing have actually... They looked amazing and they have been tested for all mm. kind of properties, um, like the stretchability, the meltability, but none of us has tasted them. Um, but yeah, let me come back to you tonight and I might be able to, and, and tell you how it actually tastes. Um, but since we use exactly the same composition of proteins and um, sauce that you would find in, let's say, a traditional mozzarella, we do believe um, even looking at it, it will taste pretty similar and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Wow. It's like being a child having a large jar of cookies yes. next to your bed and not being able <laughs> yes. to eat it. It's a little bit of torture. I have no idea how Sandra survives that. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not oh at the same God. level as her because I would be like, oh my God, this looks great. I want to try. <laughs> hey, hey, I afterwards followed up with Britta how the mozzarella was like. There is one ingredient which turned out to be a bit bitter. They are now in the next prototyping phase and have already replaced it. The mozzarella looks beautiful, has a great stretchy consistency and should taste great at the next try. Let's keep our fingers crossed and now back to the interview. So the famous question, how long till we get to see your products on the shelves? Yes, um, well, we have an ambitious plan, to be honest. Um, so we hope that in two to three years time, uh, consumers will have 
uh, access to our first products. Um, we obviously have to go through a lot of regulatory steps. So with the European Union, for example, we have to go through what's called novel food application um, because it's such an innovative product. Uh, by re- it has to be tested by regulators first uh, and be approved to be sold on the European market. Mm. How tricky is the EU regulation? How harsh are they on their criteria? They are not too harsh, to be honest. First, there's a big momentum. I mean, we see that with um, like meat products, for example, um, impossible foods and, and all those. So there is a lot of awareness that these products are uh, coming onto the European market. So this helps us a lot. Like cellular meat um, is giving us a head start there with the European Union or other regulatory bodies. Mm. Um, and also because we are using traditional cheese making processes and we are using ingredients that on a molecular level are exactly the same as you would find them in milk. How much can you tinker with the health of or the wholesomeness of the cheese can you take out the cholesterol could you uh, reduce the uh, hormone levels Uh, what are the different knobs that you could turn well our our product doesn't contain any growth hormones or antibiotics or contamination that you could find uh, in traditional cheese products Um, so we can easily (laughs) avoid all those negative impacts Mm. Um, so uh, there are certainly uh, properties of cheese that we can't avoid because that's what we are after like mm. the the structure the how a cheese feels how it melts how it stretches um, this is obviously something that we are aiming for and for that we need uh, certain components in the cheese so we need the caseins for example we need certain salts uh, but this is exactly Uh, what you would find in a traditional cheese as well. You also need uh, carbohydrates, so sugars in your cheese. Usually that's lactose, so the milk sugar. Obviously that's not vegan, so we need to do use a different sugar um, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So yeah, but it will hopefully be very similar in, in its nutritional value. Um, and then, for example, when you think about how we produce our cheese, if we use it, uh, if we produce it from yeast, our cheese might contain traces of the medium that we used to grow um, the yeast. Uh, and when you think about one big problem in a vegan diet is the vitamin B12, mm. and that's produced by yeast. So oh. we could maybe have like a cheese that's actually healthier, by naturally already being like, fortified with different vitamins that have been produced by our initial culture. Mm. Yeah, one big turnoff for milk uh, is in my opinion the pus content which i have heard about way too often for my taste um (laughs) yeah that would probably be also not a not a thing exactly like we have no (laughs) none of those um like problems obviously um because there's our product will um be mixed from very clean ingredients so Mm. yeah we can completely avoid those um Yeah, you don't really want to think about it <laughs> when you when you eat no a yummy cheese. Of cheese. <laughs> so no, we can uh, we can avoid any of those negative um, effects that um, can be seen uh, in in traditional milk and cow's milk. Where do you see Legendary in three years, and what products will you likely work on? Um, 
let me think, in three years. <laughs> so, yes, in three it, years. For, for a startup, it's an eternity, I know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, we hope in three years' time, we will have our very first product on the market. It will be a niche product. So first we will target um, vegans. Uh, we want to target high-end restaurants that um, hopefully mm. will be happy to play around in their uh, kitchen with our cheese products, for example. So we hope to have flagship stores where our cheese products, our dairy products are sold. So initially it will be a small market. I don't see ourselves uh, being a mass product in the next three years just yet. Um, but we see ourselves a bit like the Tesla of the dairy product um, or the mm. dairy world. So um, a couple of years ago, nobody thought that Tesla would ever produce uh, on a mass scale. Um, so the initial cars were totally overpriced. Um, mm. And now it has changed because the interest has changed. The technology has matured. So maybe another three years down the track, we hopefully will be able to find our products not uh, just in vegan supermarkets or on the vegan shelf, but actually as a mass product um, and the average consumer will buy our products. Mm. I think up to a certain extent, it is actually positive for a brand to be oversubscribed, meaning Impossible Burgers, they sell out like crazy in stores. Um, and also with Oatly um, for a while, when they r started ramping up their advertisement campaigns, there was no way for me to get oatly milk. It was constantly gone, especially the barista edition. And that made me want it more. <laughs> so that, That's true. Once and, and I had it, I was like, get me like 20 of those. <laughs> uh, and probably also um, such a hype um, reaches not just a niche market. So yeah. if... If we are lucky and create the same momentum as Impossible, for example, or Tesla or Oatly, um, we can reach a wider consumer base, not just mm. somebody who's, who's already interested in those products anyway because of their vegan lifestyle, but maybe flexitarians. Are, and, and that's actually where we want to head. We want to convince um, veg uh, flexitarians with our products because they will be hopefully just exactly the same as traditional cheese. Um, but more sustainable, cleaner. So there's absolutely no reason not to um, eat a legendary mozzarella. Um, so that's that's actually the people that we want to reach. And we probably need a bit of Tesla, Oatly, impossible hype to, to reach those <laughs> flexitarians. Yes. What is legendary's advantage or strength compared to competitors? Well, first, we are the only European a uh, company right now working on cellular production of dairy products. And then also compared to our U.S. competitors, I feel that we come from the European cheese background, so the heritage um, of um, European cheeses, and this gives us a big head start. So we can work together with um, artisan cheesemakers in Europe, all across Europe. So uh, then also Europe and especially Berlin and Germany in general are um, hubs for vegan lifestyle. So we can reach a lot of customers kind of around the corner, just opposite, like just across the road from us. Um, and we can reach out to those initial customers and then convince them and from there branch into a broader consumer base. Yeah, absolutely. You are at the mecca of hipster 
veganism <laughs> in <Yes>. Berlin. <laughs> I love it. Like uh, one kilometer around my house, there's about a dozen of organic stores and 20 dozen yes. vegan restaurants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in no, every corner. Um, <laughs> Yes, we will be able to to meet a lot of people in a in a small area. So, if, for example, then a, a restaurant that offers our cheese in one of their dishes, let's say a pizza or so, I think it will not be uh, difficult to reach uh, a handful of of taste testers. <laughs> oh yeah, please, I sign up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I sacrifice myself to have a really yummy pizza. Yes, yeah, I'm in there as well. <laughs> Oh, yes. Who are your competitors, actually? And uh, how is their progress? Well, our main competitors is uh, Perfect Day. Um, and yeah, yeah so that, that's probably the biggest competitor we have at this point. Um, they already have a head start of a couple of years. So they started, I think, a bit more than five years ago. Um, mm. So far, they um, have some ice cream on the market um, very overpriced, I think. Uh, and they have a different um, business idea. So they want to produce proteins um, and then supply that to um, manufacturers of other dairy products. So they actually mm. don't want to um, produce their own cheese or their own dairy products, um, whereas we actually want to cover the entire process. So from the protein production all the way to uh, mozzarella, or camembert or whatever. Um, then there's another startup called New Culture, also in the US. Um, they started at the same time as us. Um, obviously, it's very hard to <laughs> know any of their, their secrets. So <laughs> I would assume they're not any further than we are at this point. Um, and when you think about it, there's a few more s small startups that have different ideas, like creating milk from mammalian cells, uh, so growing cells that then secrete milk. But that's a long way away, I think, To, mm. to be ready for mass production. And when you think about it, even if there's three companies in the world, Perfect Day, uh, New Culture and us, well, that's not really competition for, I don't know, seven oh. billion people um, <laughs> as co consumers. Uh, I mean, when you think about how many um, brands you have on a market for a single product at this point, uh, I think yeah. it will be very easy to position ourselves um, without really major competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is a common misconception of cultivated dairy? The most co common misconception is probably that it appears unnatural. Um, and it's probably its exact opposite. So when you think about what we do is we use microorganisms, we kind of farm them in a steel tank and then we produce um, our proteins from it. It's actually a very natural process to grow microorganisms to produce a product from it. Beer, sourdough, any kind of those products, uh, sour gherkins. Um, so they are all using microorganisms to uh, make a food product. So it's actually a process that has been used for well, millennia. So um, it's just a matter of What are we farming? Are we having a farm, a factory farm with 2,000 cows? Or do we have a steel mm. tank and we are farming our microorganisms? And when you compare those two images, probably our microorganisms are the more natural way of producing uh, proteins. Regarding your founder's journey, tell us about the best moment you have experienced. It's really hard to pinpoint it down to one moment. Um, it really sounds like a cheap line, but I love my job. Um, I'm excited about 
getting up and getting to my desk right now in home office, obviously, mm. um, every single day. There have been so many amazing moments. I mean, closing our funding round, obviously, that was amazing. Um, but onboarding new p team members, uh, speaking to so many people um, on, a, on a weekly basis, connecting to so many um, people from different fields, maybe like uh, toll producers of our products, uh, scientists, business developers, um, IP lawyers, all those people. So this is actually very exciting and uh, I'm learning so much along the way. Um, then also very simple things like now establishing my own lab, um, signing order forms and then seeing those packages arrive and mm. unwrapping like a new, like, I don't know, PCR machine, a new microscope is actually <laughs> really exciting. <laughs> It's like Christmas every day. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just a very, very expensive Christmas. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Santa has to have big pockets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you currently most excited about? Establishing our lab. So, like, having a fully functional molecular biology and fermentation lab up and running in a few weeks. So, like, being because that also needs to be certified by government bodies. And then having all the people in the lab so by June, our team will have grown from one, me, the one-man show in the lab, to four. Uh, and mm. that will be really exciting. Like every morning coming into the lab and going like, oh, wow, I built this. Uh, everything that is in here is based on, on our idea um, and mm. it's purpose-built for that, um, like, yeah, process. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm most excited about right now. Mm. If you were to have 50 million And what businesses or initiatives would you invest it in? I'm really the least money-driven person. <laughs> so I probably wouldn't invest into a company um, because I'm probably not very interested in making money by investments. Um, I think what I'm excited about or interested in then from a very personal background is to support many female scientists uh, on their journey. Um, so to allow them with Uh, fellowships, for example, to uh, take up as a position, a position as a postdoc in their dream university and being able to do whatever experiments they want to do. Um, yeah, mm. it would probably more be a philanthropic, is that how you pronounce it? Philanthropic? Um, yeah, a philanthropy venture. project. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. philanthrop yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Britta, for this amazing interview. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you for listening. If you want to make a contribution, then spread the word, share the podcast with your friends or leave us an iTunes review. In the next episode, we will talk about cubic foods. They found a way to reduce the fat content, replace unhealthy fats with healthier ones and still keep the delicious taste. Super interesting. I'm looking forward to have you there. And until next time, let's move from red to green. <laughs>